0: welcome everyone to this week's greatest garage we are so excited to be here and sharing some love um, we are excited to got Jim here we're ready to talk about some just digging some tough stuff and this one the question this week is is about loci of control controlling what you can how do we deal with how do we get through this so Jim, welcome in. How have we been doing this week?
1: Very good. Struggling along just like everybody else, you know, looking for solutions to big problems.
0: Hey, I love it. I love it. So the problem statement we came up with today was, what can you control in chaos? You know, like that's the thing. We're all struggling, looking for some semblance of control, of, of trying to see what everything's going. There's people out there predicting what's going to happen, right? It's going to be a V recovery. It's going to be a U recovery. It's going to be a W recovery. <laughs> you know, there's been all these things. And, I think sometimes what happens is, you know, we get caught in trying to control everything. And, you know, for myself, I was through that experience, you know, back in, in 2011, I was living in North Dakota, right? And in mine at North Dakota, where I was living, we, got, we had a flood come through there. And it was really chaotic because the, the Army Corps engineer came in, told everybody to move out like June 1st. And then June 6th, everybody said, actually, no, it's okay. We're going to manage the water. Everybody moves back in. Four days later, three days later, everyone's like, you've got 12 or 24 hours to get everything that you moved out, out. And so nobody did. They didn't trust them completely. Kind of, you know, kind of like in Hawaii where they hear a hurricane warning and they're like, ah, heard it before. And we got destroyed. I mean, 30% of the homes in, in uh, Minot were, were just gone. Um, and and you know, we had a distribution business covering the state of North Dakota, Northern Minnesota and in Montana. And we had to be operational immediately because you know, the people, you know, 300 miles away. I mean, they, they appreciate that you went through a flood, but they still need their stuff. And we went through trying to just control like what do we, how do we get business as normal? And it was the biggest punch in the gut to just grab onto whatever you could to find out what was normal. Um, and so that was really difficult. And so the one thing I think that really struggled for us is that we recognized things were out of our control and we couldn't, and we just were grasping at anything. And we didn't know where to start with that. Looking back, obviously, it's a lot easier, right? You know, start with the inside. And so, you know, Jim, let me ask you this. Like, when you find people getting into things where stuff goes, chaos comes in, it's out of control, what are typically? What is the biggest challenge they typically face with trying to regain that control?
1: I think it's because people put themselves and, and the leaders. They put them, themselves in a situation where they're they're supposed to have all the answers. And I think when things are kind of outside of the umbrella, uh, we don't have all the answers, and we're searching as well. And so you kind of have a find that fine line where you're exuding some confidence that everything's going to be okay when you're not quite sure it will be yourself. And then also sharing that with uh, your customers and your staff. And so one of the things that we did is kind of double down on where the pain points are, like what is hurting our people and what is hurting our customers. And so, you know, the one thing out here that everyone was concerned about was testing, you know, is the guys that we have coming in their house. We have a handyman company out here. And uh, one of the issues was who's coming in my house and are they tested or maybe are they infected? And so what we did is we have a weekly setup where we're testing our guys. We get the the results and we publish those tests. And the guys use special medical precautions when they go in with the mask, with the gloves, with the booties. And um, we really doubled down. We reached out to the majority of our customers. We represent um, the entire island of Oahu. And uh, we have the fastest growing company in the state out here. So we're an industry leader and looking to solve a lot of people's problems while they're hunkered down in this sequestered state and so uh, we reached out to our customers so what what type of things would you guys like to get done and everything's urgent right so the door's sticking the toilet doesn't flush the shower's not working and so we're, uh, we're focusing on all those things and then in between those things we're uh, we're staging helping move gear around we're using our vans to deliver things for people and trying to just continue to add value in the community knowing that eventually this too will pass and when it does we want to come out better and stronger than uh, we did going into it, and um, it's literally, we looked at where the pain was, and we're isolating where that pain is, and we're focusing on what the proper solution to that pain, and we're staying away from all the other things that really don't matter right now. I think it's it's important that you let your people know that you don't have all the answers, but that you're actively seeking the answers, and that you have a strategy and some tactics that you're deploying, but this isn't the be-all, do-all, end-all, and we're not 100% sure uh, exactly what we're going to be doing in two weeks. But I think you start to bring your focus down and you start focusing narrowly what you can control. And so rather than you st- seeking out a month, two months, six months, a year, you say, what am I going to do today to make a difference? How can I add value today? How can I change my my situation myself today? Uh, how could I reach out to my customers and solve their problem today? And then what can I do this week? And so we really built our schedule back and we're two weeks out, booked out. And because we've reached out and talked about, okay, I know you don't want to start this remodel, but what do you want done today? And everybody typically still needs something. They have a pain point and it's our job to isolate that pain point and be the solution to that problem.
0: Jim, you know what? There's a couple of things that, you know, so one, you know, we're talking about- Kind of going back to the first thing you said is that, you know, you're so right that leaders want to um, kind of jump in and say that I got the answers, I got the answers when really true leadership right now is that honesty that says, hey, I don't have all the answers, but we're seeking it. And, you know, another thing we talk about is when you're providing information that you do have provide specific information, not vague information and you know part of that they say you know the more vague it leaves them to worry and wonder you know hey if we're letting people go we're letting bill and and sally go but we're not letting the rest or here's exactly what's going on and that is is important you know to, to give them that direction but also one thing you talked about was pain points and you know how important it is to really identify um what are the pain points not only of your employees but of your customers and how that kind of changes during, a, uh, during chaos like that. So how, you know, you're talking about kind of really affecting them, them pain points. Um, what, what is the, 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 the most difficult thing? Like when you're working on what are the false beliefs that people have, whether either in the company or external or that, you know, you face that, that you know, what are some of them things that make it difficult to actually deal with the issue because they have all this other stuff going on?
1: I think they don't measure what matters. I think they have in their mind what matters most is because it's what causes them the most pain. And so rather than actually looking and identifying what the root cause of the problem is, rather than looking at the symptom of the problem. And so most people will say, hey, I need more money. But do you really need more money? Or do you just need to organize your cash flow better so you have access to that cash flow? And I mean, a great situation I just dealt with was an individual who Their goal was to go borrow a bunch of money. And I said, well, what's what's the idea? What would you use the money for today if you had it? They said, well, I think it's uh, much better suited to be in my hand than the government's hand. And so that's if that's your determining factor, well, then you both got a problem. Because money has no home. It's got to find a place. And so if you think money is the problem, then it's also going to be your solution. And in fact, it's not money or it's not money isn't his problem nor his solution. It's managing capital cash flow so what he tried to do excuse me is pay his payables as they present themselves and then he's always getting aged on his receivable so it's happening right and left right someone sends a bill in the bill arrives on the 13th he pays it he doesn't batch it and put it out and it'll get you paid next time next month comes in on 13th pays you on 14th well it's not even due to the 13th of the next month and so what he's doing is he's just taking his cash flow down to nothing. And so the first thing we did is we pushed his payables off and said, we can't pay everybody as soon as it becomes due. And we had to collect some of these age receivables. And then I went to the age receivables and I said, we're going to put some interest on there if we're going to be the bank. Right. And so it's going to have to compound at a regular rate so we can justify being the bank on this receivable, which then got us paid because they didn't want to pay interest on their money. Right.
0: Quick one on that one, because I think that's an interesting one. And this comes a little bit of a side note that kind of in fact, you know, a lot of times we've ran into, I, I think a lot of us have, if, if we do any credit for our customers, you know, we've had this thing where there's a couple that draw us out and we, we start putting the interest on there, right? And they kind of thumb our nose, like they pay us, they send that check, that's exactly the principal portion of it, right? And kind of tell us, you know, pound sand with that other interest. You know, what, you know, looking at that, uh, you know, we've had everything from, you know, do you just do you drop the customer, do you just kind of just write it off? Do you, you know, what had what, what in this example, if that customer comes back and says, Hey, we're not paying that interest,
1: you know, what's your thoughts there? Well, I've had that happen to me, of course. And so what I do is I re I record the, the payment of the late fee. I record the payment of the majority of the principal. And then what's left over, I send them an additional bill with the late fee attached to it. That depends on how hardball I'm playing, you know, and if they just say, Hey, Then we have a value problem, right? And so here's, if, if we get to that situation, then typically we're, we're discussing our value. So obviously I'm not valued properly and that you don't understand that we have a business arrangement. We don't have a personal, I give you money and you pay me when you can relationship. So if we're going to, if we're going to operate as a business then we have to operate with some, some processes, right? And if we're going to agree to do business on a set of terms, then that's what that's what we're agreeing to do. Now, if those terms change, then we need to change those terms of our relationship. But what we can't have is we can't have a situation where I'm being taken advantage of as part of my business model, right? So if that would be like me weighting my, my bill to you based on your ability to pay, right? So if you're wealthy, I charge you more. If you're not as wealthy, I charge you less. So- Is it fair to charge the wealthier person more money? And is it fair to charge the person with less money? uh, Nothing at all. So it's discretionary, right? Based on the value proposition. So how much value I'm providing. And so when people discount your value in the consultants, it happens quite often where they come to you with this big problem. You solve their problem. They go away. They make a bunch of money with, uh, with your solution. They pay your bill. You're fine. They're fine. And then they come back and they say, hey, oh, by the way, um, I didn't want to retain your services. I just wanted to use you as a stopgap to solve my problem. But I have another problem. And you know, as well as I do, we'll say, well, you'll continue to have these problems as you continue to grow because this is what presents itself. And that's why you need a coach. And so it's through that process where you're actually explaining to them the benefits of a coach. And a lot of our benefit that we provide is we have a different perspective. We have a different point of view that they don't currently enjoy because they're in the fight and we're working on the fight. So they're in it. We're working on it. And so our perspective is a lot different. So I think back to the, to the control. I'll touch on that one second. It's really about. It communicating properly to your clients, to your customers, and to your employees, right? So if you communicate your message properly, and then they just blow you off and say, we're not paying you for any number of reasons, then you have a problem with the relationship with your client, right?
0: Well, and, and you know, you talk about that control. And and you know, where do you start with it? Where do you know your first step with it? And you know, what I have found with, for for our clients you know uh, I've worked with a, a, a gentleman before who hit his entire premise with uh, creating you know you know a fearless approach to, to risk and stuff like that is starting with you know physical health you know physical workouts face challenging workouts face challenging things and what's really unique and what I really appreciate about it is it starts at internal portion of it and so when we talk about this the beginning is is loci of control and the difference between loci of control and here's what it means is that loci of control is where the control is located, and there's and, and for the example of our discussion, there's two areas. There's internal loci of control and there's external loci of control. The internal loci of control is stuff that you can control. That it, it's you know it's if it's in in health, it's what you put in your mouth, it's how you, the workout that you do. Um, if it's um, uh, you know in business, it's the stuff that the actions, the thoughts, the 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 stuff that you do. External is the weather it's the you know genetics it's the everything else really unfortunately (laughs) it's just the stuff that you can influence but you can't control and i think people get really stuck sometimes focusing on the external trying to you know if they if they you know squeeze squint enough on it and they focus on it enough they'll be able to change that control um jim what have you found as far as people exercising that control what are some good processes that they've done To start kind of exerting some control on stuff that they can't control or shifting that vision.
1: I think it starts with asking the right questions, right? It's reaching out and figuring out like what what are you trying to accomplish? And so if you clearly identify the what you're trying to accomplish and why you're trying to accomplish it, then you'll determine. I'm the opposite of that whole control philosophy. I operate with the release philosophy. So. I'm, I'm operating entirely outside of control because I don't believe I control 90% of the things that people really believe they do control. So as a result, I don't waste much time trying to figure out better control mechanisms and better levers to pull. I just develop a more meaningful relationship that is completely objective-based. We manage by objectives. We set targets. We don't discuss uh, some of these outside things. Like, for example, we have a lot of people discussing this uh, COVID-19 and in our, in our conversations that we are had in the last few days, we haven't brought it up. It just is what it is. We do not have the ability to dictate anything that happens with it. We only have the ability to dictate what we can control. And what we can control is our communication with our customer. Um, we can control our, our feelings about the situation and understand that we're built for this. Difficult times produce great results. And we will go through this just like everything else. And we're uh, focusing more on strength. And knowledge about what we're working on less on hope and prayers and dreams and all these other things and really getting internal and looking at the systems and processes that matter most we're measuring what matters we're identifying what is the biggest indicator of our projections so what move do we have to make to hit those targets and uh, we're taking positive steps day by day to achieve those goals
0: Absolutely. So that that is that that focus on the actions, right? Focus on the action, and then you said kind of what levers do you press and pull? You know, that's one thing I think internally. You know, as we're looking at our businesses, you know, looking at what. I think, unfortunately, they say, well, yeah, we need to push the right levers. But they haven't done an audit about what are your right levers. You know, what are the levers that are even available inside your business for you to push? You know, if you think, if you think the market conditions are a lever for you to push, you're wrong. <laughs> you know, whether it's COVID or it's a new competitor, um, that's not a lever for you to push. There's internal levers.
1: Sure. I completely agree with you. And it's looking inward, right? I mean, are you the solution to your problem? Um, I don't know if you're familiar with my constitution, but my constitution speaks to that where I look inward. I look to be the solution to my own problem and I will suffer privately the consequences of my bad choices. Now I say, it, I say that for a reason, because a lot of times we make these decisions as leaders and they're not the right decision. So there's consequences associated with you making the wrong decision. And right now, I feel that because uh, even our president and they're all making their decisions based on social pressure based on what somebody's going to think of them based on what somebody is going to say about them write about them and they're looking for this alignment principle that this that just does not exist at our level it just does not and here's why you're a leader for a reason. And with that comes a certain level of responsibility. And with that responsibility comes a certain amount of, of thick skin required for you to make decisions. And if you're going to make policy decisions that have far-reaching uh, consequences, there are going to be some people that do not agree with you. And that's fine, because you need that. Steel sharpened steel. You need that conscious debate. You need that disagreement. You need that person to ask those difficult questions and it's through that vetting process and you you're reaffirming your own belief system right and so if you're going to go out and be leader of the free world you're going to have to have some thick skin and you're going to have to have an actionable game plan that you can stand behind even right or wrong and what we're finding is the abdication of that leadership is going to i am deferring every decision to um so-called experts right so Rather than you doing your own research and you asking lots of questions and you working real hard to get the right intel, you're deferring to an expert. So then when the expert um, says something you don't agree with, you can align with your popular base and you can say, hey, I agree with you guys. Maybe we should do this. And subsequently, I'm speaking about opening up the country, right? Like this whole question on um, it's going to be the most difficult decision I ever make. It's going to be the largest decision I ever make. Well, the decision's not going to be made by you. The decision is gonna be made by the virus and the virus doesn't listen to anybody. And so based on professionals that are making educated decisions on their modeling and they may all be wrong, that's okay too. That's the problem is is people don't wanna discuss. I mean, when you're wrong, I've been wrong. I'll give an example of being wrong. When we first got involved in the handyman space, we had to first figure out what we weren't, not what we were. We knew what we wanted to be, but we weren't, we weren't. And so here's what we don't do. We don't do landscaping because we're not landscapers. We're terrible at that. We don't do house cleaning. We're terrible. If you want to ever have a terrible house cleaning job, hire a bunch of veterans. Right? They they did terrible job, but I mean, it's not that they couldn't do it. It's just we were ineffective at it, and we had to we had to be honest with ourselves. And I think at this time, uh, right now, we need to be honest with ourselves. We need to ask ourselves the difficult question. And I think now is the time to be introspective. Look at your model. Look at your business. And say, you know, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? And what could I eliminate today to make my life easier? And what could I double down on today to make my life better? And make those difficult decisions while we're slow. Rather than waiting until you're holding the throttle wide open and then trying to pivot.
0: Well, and, and you know, one of the things that you talked about that really is so powerful is what gets in our way so often is we talk about that external, you know, like reaching on those external controls, but the, the victim perspective. That, it's, that life is happening to me versus for me. And, you know, there, there's a different source of empowerment, like, you know, where, where is the source of the power? Is it internal flowing out, or is it external that I have to be given it? And I think you're right, by, by that perspective, it really uh, can be difficult. And if you allow yourself to be the victim, right, and you feel that, that victim mentality, you're gonna shy away from those really difficult conversations that are the most important things, you know. With my management team, one of the things that was extremely important for me and I, with all my clients, I say, make sure you're not surrounded by yes people. And, and even in myself, I'm a very positive, supportive person for my clients, but I'm not a yes person. I'm going to say, Whoa, wait a second. I, I challenge that done respectfully, but done intensely as well. Because if we don't challenge each other, that that iron stays pretty dull, doesn't it?
1: That's right, that's right. Super important. And I think it's the ego still, again, you know, um, I have to be willing to put my opinion out there and have you disagree with me. if I'm not willing to do that, then I really don't stand behind my belief system. And it's vice versa. Would you put your, this is what I believe. This is based on my experience and my understanding. This is the best course of action. And we can disagree and that's fine. And we still continue work together regardless of if we agree on every single thing. And I think that when we're spending so much time together with our spouse or we're talking to these, we're, we're you know, we have a very intimate relationship with our, our business partners. Um, everyone is trying to focus on who's right, not what's right. Like, what do we do? Not who does it. Let's first figure out what do we do. And then let's agree with a laser focus that that is the most effective use of our time, talent, and resources. And then let's create an actionable actionable game plan to accomplish that objective with the timeline and a budget attached to it. And so what we do is we follow this very strict process to get predictable outcomes. And we call that situational framing. And so, We really move it around, use the structure, use our relationships, frame the situation effectively, put a timeline, a budget, then we who's responsible, we set that project manager in place, we fund that properly, resource it, and we get after it. And so we predictably have a success because we set up a process that's predictable. And I think if most small businesses operated uh, with some framework, they would have more structure, and more structure gives you more power with less muscle, right? And because you're using your structure properly.
0: One thing for our listeners, I want us to make sure you're listening to, there's a distinction here that when he's talking about creating structure and creating um, um, processes and situational, you know, uh, uh, predictability, it doesn't mean that you don't get a torpedo to the side. But if that does happen and you've had those structures before, your ability to respond is much higher. So it doesn't mean that chaos doesn't come visit. It just means that the more prepared you are going into the processes you have before you can, it's more of moving blocks than try to rearrange spaghetti.
1: Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, I've been faced with several scenarios like this where we had trade embargoes with back when the copper market, I was in building products and copper was a hot thing. And so we used to bring in 20,000 pounds a week of copper and roll it and put it into all these different products and, Um, There was a trade embargo for copper. So they traded copper went through the roof and we had already pre-bought out of a Poland copper mill. And it was just a nightmare. And then China was dumping at that time, dumping aluminum. And so, I mean, we were just in those metals markets were all over. And all I did with everyone freaking out was find another customer, found somebody that was large enough that I could come to them and say, listen, you know, I want to be your exclusive supplier and I'm, I'm ready to give you some pricing guarantees to provide you with access to the, to the marketplace. And so it's, it's just to go harvest somebody else's corn, I used to say, where I'd go find out who my competition is and who their number one customer was and I'd go after that customer and I'd give them something to think about in the market, right? And so I think it's just all about your innate ability when you realize that you don't control uh, certain things And then you say, okay, I do control certain things. Focus on what you control and get out there and get a game plan and go after what you're looking for. And if you have a question or a comment or a concern, reach out to somebody because coaches are there for a reason, right? We're all not players. Everyone says, I want to be a coach. Well, here's the rules. You can't step on the field or there's a penalty. You can't play in the game. You can't remove the person you're coaching saying, you're not doing a good job. Let me get in there and show you how to do it. It's not how it works. So we coach we teach players play we we provide inspiration motivation but we keep them in the center of the field we keep them from running out of the stadium that's what's going on right now is nobody's asking the difficult questions i ask people how are you do and they say fine i said answer how are you doing and i'm like well i'm glad you asked here's the two hour fine well fine means i'm not interested in talking to you about it right now
0: Absolutely. Right. And I, there's, there's an, an acronym out there for fine. Um, and I, it's a little vulgar, but I can't remember what it is, but it's a good one. If you ever, anybody wants to check it out. But one thing kind of going back to your, your story about the, the markets and is listening to the, listen, if everybody's hearing this, let me explain the external loci of control here is, is the aluminum market and the coppet markets and what's happening in Poland and what's happening in China. That's all external. Jim and their company could not control that. There's nothing that they can do. But what could he do? He could decide to go hunt. He'd pick up up his tools, whatever he needed to go hunt, and go find that next customer, find that next customer. And that is so much the reason that people come out looking just like a a dove coming out of chaos because they ignored all that external noise and did what they did. Now, it doesn't mean that you aren't perceiving and understanding threats to you but it means that your focus is on what you can do and really putting the energy there.
1: I also think you know people are looking for money though, Brad. Everyone's like, if I just had money. And what they don't understand is the largest clients we ever land are because we get off our ass and we go find them and talk to them. And one of the things that I've used is not just say, here's all the great things I can do for you, Mr. Customer. It's, that's not the, always the case. I, I've also reached out to customers and say, hey, I have a problem. Maybe you can help me solve it. Right. And they'll say, what can I do for you? I said, well, you're in luck. Uh, You're you're a gutter company and I sell gutter material. Right. And so I'm looking to uh, figure out why we haven't crossed paths, because obviously, if you're the biggest and best in the market and I provide the same product that you guys sell, why aren't we doing business? And they'll say, well, I got great price support with your competition okay, other than price support, is there anything else that they do for you that's magical? Because I'd really love to do business with you. And I'm not here to tell you they're a terrible company. And I'm not here to tell you negative things about their company. They're a great company, and it's obvious. You guys have done business for 20 years. But what I'm here to do is say, if there's some other area, maybe there's an area they don't support you very well. If I could just get a small piece of that business, we could start there. And if things work out, then you would agree to give me another opportunity to earn more of your business. How does that sound?
0: Just the building of that relationship, Right. You know, just, just building it. And, and I think too many, I think there's, um, a challenge out there when you hear some of the people talking about this, um, you know, this this, this high skies that the earning part going through that and, and really going to be able to do that because that leads to the really, um, um geometric expansion that's available is, is really understanding and, and putting that foundation of trust, you know? And, you know, we talk about control. That's one thing you can definitely do, Right is, you know, going in there, one of the things I always say is this, um, there's a kind of a cool technique that says, um, I want you to, to think about um, the best time you ever had with your best friend, your spouse, or your children, right? You think about that. So everybody out, you know, out in uh, uh, internet land, think about one of the best time. And at the same time as you're thinking, I want you to see it, I want you to smell it, I want you to be like, you're there playing with your kids or doing whatever that is. And I want you to count to 10. And you're going to find that the mind just can't do both focuses. And so what you choose to focus on will create clarity there and it'll it'll fuzz out the other stuff. It doesn't mean it's not there, but it will fuzz it out and allow your mind and your subconscious to process it when it does very efficiently. And, you know, that's one of the things about focusing on, you know, what you can control, what is the most important, what is in your purview. A lot of times it takes care of a lot of those other issues, you know, and um, so to Jim, what are some other techniques that you've used, you know, you've gone through some of them already, but is there anything else that you've you know, found that really helps people kind of just focus in on, on, on just kind of a, kind of putting that other stuff out of the, out of their focus?
1: Yeah. I, I, I ask a question, you know, what, what one thing if done today could make the biggest improvement in the shortest amount of time. So what one thing, if I do it today could, could create the biggest improvement in the shortest amount of time. And so I do that every day. And so today um, I asked myself that question, right? Like what one thing if done today could make the biggest improvement in the shortest amount of time. And that was to review a memorandum of understanding that I had in my queue that I had been neglecting because I didn't want to do the legal work and get the lawyer on the phone and go over that and see if that's something we can move forward on. And if so, let's sign that. Let's get that moving forward and then let's move on. And so I asked myself, you know, what's standing in the way? And the way was, is I'm fearing more commitment in a situation where I feel I'm uh, heavily committed. I didn't want another um, full-time responsibility, right? And so rather than reaching out to the client and saying, listen, here's the real situation, is I'm not interested in taking on more full-time responsibility. I believe I could still coach and add value, but I can't take a position and so, um, as a result, I could either decline to move forward with them, or I could try to modify my relationship. And so, we modified the relationship to a win-win deal. I explained to them exactly what my situation was. They wanted to pay me the same amount of money for a substantially, substantially less of a commitment because they value what, what I bring to the table. And um, looks like we're going to make some moves going forward now. The reality of the situation is, is I'm in no situation to take on more people, but they also convince me that they need my help too. And that if I decide to not do it, that they're in a pretty bad situation and um, they're willing to accept less time for the same money, to get a, a similar outcome because they believe that with me coaching them, they'll be able to accomplish that objective. And so we avoid some of the pain, right? We avoid, cause I didn't really want to break their heart. I didn't want to tell them no. And it wasn't until you decide that it's time that you have to pull the trigger and that's just the way it goes.
0: One of the things we actually even focus on in, in a lot of times with the coaching is, is just avoidance. The, the reason, and, and, and you know, it, a lot of times it takes us some digging into, and there's an entire process there of right, of how to dig in through what you are avoiding and why you're avoiding it. But one of the things that you mentioned too, and I, I, I really want to kind of focus on this because I want people to know it's okay that there's gonna be stuff on our list that isn't done today, that kind of sits on that list and we'll feel this guilt, this massive guilt that it's sitting out there, sitting out there, sitting out there, but if you have a process that you are in control of, that you are, and, and for me, I love, for some reason, I love the, the three. Like I, three is a big number that I use and so I use each day picking three things that you can do. And if there, if that list, if it doesn't rise, you look at that list of 30 things, whatever that is, if it doesn't rise to that level of three, or in your example, that one thing, be okay with leaving it on the list. Let, let it sit out in the fuzz and focus on that one thing or three things that you want to do for today and really create value there. And if you get done by, by nine in the morning, go back to your list. But you know, don't judge yourself for what you have on there. And and sometimes that can can reduce that that avoidance energy that we have and that judgment that we create on ourselves, right?
1: Sure. But I, I used to do three. I mean, I used to do that. I mean, I was probably taught the same technique and I failed miserably. And I literally beat the piss out of myself every day because I couldn't accomplish those objectives. And the person at the time was coaching me says, Mr. Ambition. That's what he used to call me, you know, that you set these lofty goals, you set yourself up for failure, then you beat the piss out of yourself because you don't achieve it. Right. So why don't you tone it down? And let's just be real with ourselves? Can you commit to me life or death? Signed in blood, to the death, you're going to get this one thing done every single day. And I said, I can commit to one thing. He just will then commit to it and stick to it, right? Quit lying to yourself. Quit convincing yourself that you're more capable than you really are. Go look in the mirror. You're normal. You're just like everybody else. You have fears, yes. You have the same concerns, yes. You're freaked out, yes. You think the world, yes. I felt all those things. But it's the courage to continue. It's overcoming those fears is make you get out in the marketplace and take some risks. And effectively, being an entrepreneur is managing risk. You're managing risk in relationships. That's the game.
0: Yeah. And one thing, you know, I want to really just speak to what you were just saying. And there's a there's a really, um, really kind of cool dance that's going on here. So one of the things is uh, differences between Jim and I. I am a you know very uh, structured detail. I'm an analytic in that way. It, it, Jim is kind of that that uh, you know big entrepreneur, and he, like you said, he do, he doesn't like control. He's he lets it go, and I'm about you know about, you know detailing out and predicting and strategy. And so, in the ways that we work together, for him, um, when he looked at the um, um, the agreement, he might have said his one thing for today is the agreement. If your mind thinks in a way like mine, where it might have been, um, read through the, the agreement, um, call the person back. Like, it, just understand there can be differences. In that so, be a bit able to adjust. If if your if your mind thinks in those big you know uh, uh, scales like that, then admit you're right. Make sure it's one a day, or else otherwise you're going to choke on it. And I think that right there, you just said it too, though. But being okay to recognize that you can't, you can't choke on that. You know, we, I talk about that with people, with leaders, right? Think about this when you're guiding your people. If you're asked, if you're giving people, you know, setting your expectations for them to complete in a day or a week, and they're never getting them all done. Perhaps you need to adjust where your expectations are. um, Potentially, or get another person. But if you've got somebody who's working, it might be where your expectations are, and allowing them to grow. You know, so
1: one hundred percent. I think that that's one of the things that you provide is your very X's and O's. You're you're the greatest coach for somebody that loves that X's and O's mentality, right? So everything is a system. And here's a series of processes. These processes come together. They make this system. This system repeated over a period of time with slight modifications get this. Predictable outcome. And that gives all a lot of fuzzy, little warm and fuzzy relationship. Everyone feels real good about that. Where I'm of value is when that doesn't work. Okay. When you do everything right, you got the money you need, you got the talent you need, you got the resources you need, your resourcefulness, you're using everything, and it's just not correct. What's the problem? Right. And so a lot of times I get into the model after, like, my main work is done after the money's been given, after you've already submitted the business plan, and the investor is freaking out. Here's how I get my work. Investor calls a lawyer. Lawyer calls a fixer, me, says, hey, my guy invested $18 million in this company. These are the controls that he had in place. He's not getting proper feedback. He doesn't think they're going to succeed. He wants to know what's going to happen with his money, and they need you to go in and figure that out. So when I show up, I'm not well-received, I'm not well-liked, and I'm representing the bank, typically, and they don't like that. Until they find out that my job is to make sure they succeed so that the bank can get their money back, right? That's my own goal. So when I start breaking down uh, what the real root cause of the problem is, is the root cause of the problem is is they're sticking to a business plan that isn't appropriate for the scenario. So they're operating with the proper tactics and strategies, just someone moved their cheese, right? And so now... They uh, they don't know, they don't know how to how to pivot. They don't know how to change what was prescribed by their consultant by their their uh, executives, and so it's like okay, you're doing everything right. Your mode of transportation, you're in a Prius, you're heading down I five, you're at the highest efficiencies, but your destination is New York, so you're going the wrong direction, even though your mode of travel is very. But you're going like hell. <laughs> oh my like hell! Yeah, and you're not burning a lot of yeah. fuel.
0: Well, and, and you know what? One thing's really kind of cool here is, is, you know, if we're listening to, to, to where Jim is, is, is talking here, and it's the beauty that there's so many different coaches have different perspectives out there. What's really cool is this. His background is, is a really interesting background in, in, in paramedics and dealing with stuff that all of a sudden, like you said, goes awry, and all of a sudden, where's that, that fix? And it's funny, with a lot of the clients that I attract, they are creative, big thinkers, and they've got the creative and the big sport. They need, they need the structure, though, to allow them to build. And so we each have different parts of companies or different phases and different perspectives. And so that's what the beauty is. And so if, if you're out there looking for a coach, understand that there's different coaches out there and find the one that fits you and that one that, you can you know, trust is the big thing, right? Like as long as you could trust them, they'll at least be honest with you enough to say, hey, hey, this is where I stop or this is what I don't do here's somebody else to talk to, right? You know, so.
1: Yeah, I do do that. I mean, I do that. I do not hesitate. Well, I always say like a doctor, right? You can't be a doctor. Everyone's an MD. Great. But you might have cancer. Well, that that hospitalist can't help you. You might need an oncologist. You may have a lung problem. You need a pulmonologist. And so like with you, when I get into a situation where somebody is really requiring structure, they need X's and O's. They need somebody who can like clean up their mess and really lay them out before I'm really effective. um, I would pivot to you and say, you got to talk to my buddy, Brad, this is the guy, this is what he does. And he'll get you this far when you're there, then reach back out and see if I can help you. But I think because we have this scarcity market, everyone's trying to be so concerned about, well, I don't want to lose a customer to Brad. And I'm like, The opposite where there is so many failing struggling small businesses me and you could provide as much value as we can 23 hours a day and there's still not enough of us to go around we need more people in this space providing value regardless of the cost
0: yeah and and you know what and that comes down you know as we're kind of closing out here i think that's a big thing to say is like how do we you know how do we find control by serving this is what we're doing for control is, is getting out, sharing with people that these are the paths through. And so if, if I'm going to wreck, give my two cents to the, uh, to the listener today, I'm going to say, go back into your business and, and, and talk with your team and find out, you know, what are the things that you do well and, and really make sure you're consistently doing them. So the things that are underneath your control, the other thing is, is, is for yourself, because if, if, if you don't take care of yourself and do some self care, you're going to be in trouble. So find out what you can do to, 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 um, to find control in your world that is underneath that low guy. And I think those two things, um, really just asking internally and then letting the, a third thing would be letting the other stuff go into the fuzz. That would be my three, you know, kind of guides. Cause you know, I love the rule the rule of three, right. But, um, so that would be mine. Jim, what, what would yours be for the listener?
1: I'm going to be asked that question. You know, what One decision if made today could bring you the largest improvement in the shortest amount of time? That question, find the answer to that question, ask your staff that question and, and practice active listening. Listen to what they have to say. You're going to find all the answers. I'm telling you, the, the the people that you work with, the people that are surrounded with those people, they have some answers. They may have some questions too, but they definitely have some answers. So I'd say look inward to be the solution to your problem first. Ask yourself that difficult question. And when you get the answer, don't hesitate to act on it.
0: That is awesome. Well, everyone, hey, I think you got to listen in on a great conversation today. I hope you got some amazing nuggets on it. Um, On uh, the the next uh, podcast we're having, we're going to actually have a client live on here. And we're going to be able to work with them and kind of pull apart some of the challenges that they have. Instead of of picking on each other, we get to pick on someone else. So it should be a lot of fun. We're so excited to see you. And we'll see you next time, everyone.
1: Bye-bye. Thank you.